this is Terry Beatley, your host of What If We've Been Wrong? I'm shining light into some dark places so that beauty, goodness, and truth defeat the schemes of the enemy. It's true, people are perishing for lack of knowledge, and we're instructed to have nothing to do with the evil deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. That's what I do on What If We've Been Wrong? Rethink, explore, and uncover some hidden truths so that more people can experience an abundant life and the joy of being set free from the shackles that hold us in prison. Welcome to What If We've Been Wrong. Are you are on What If We've Been Wrong with Terry Beatley, and I'm so glad you joined me today because our topic today is relevant to every single American, whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you're on the pro-choice side of this issue or on the pro-life side of this issue. Today's topic is, does it make any difference to restore a culture of life ethic to America once again? Does life matter? Is it worthwhile to try to come up with better solutions than abortion? And the reason I say this is relevant to everybody, it's because life matters. Everybody who can hear this show today, you have life breathed into you. So the question is, is it worth anything? Is it valuable? And is it worthwhile to restore a culture of life ethic? Well, one of the things that's recently happened, we're going to be delving into this in greater detail today, but President Trump recently in 2020 spoke for the first time ever, a president speaking uh, live at the March for Life, and that happened in January 2020. Uh, for the first time, a president has spoken. How come no presidents before him have ever spoken in person at a March for Life? And why is it that some of the loudest pro-life voices of all time have been people who were 100% for abortion? They were 100% on the pro-choice side of things for years. Why is it that so many of their voices are the loudest voices out there today actually trying to save babies and save the mothers from abortion? Well, my guest today is Julie Easter. Uh, she's the director of Wilmington, Delaware for Life, uh, and she's also the 40 Days for Life campaign director in Wilmington, Delaware. And uh, Julie is uh, well-read, well-spoken, and she just has a gift for teaching. And that's why I was hoping anybody, whether you're pro-choice or pro-life, you'll, you'll hang with us today on this show. So Julie, welcome to What If We've Been Wrong. Thank you for having me, Terry. It's great to be here. Well, it's always fun talking to you, and we usually have so much to talk about. And when we're done, I always say, darn, I wish we had recorded that because it would have been the perfect kind of radio show. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> all right, Julie, you are very involved in the pro-life movement, uh, but uh, there's no but to it. You also have opportunities to talk to people who are on the other side of this issue. And I think you've got such a gift and, and the right kind of voice to, to be able to explain why people on the pro-choice side of things should, should just reconsider, take a few things under consideration. But before we go there, let's talk about what 
happened, this whole thing about President Trump and, and being live, in person, speaking for a long time at the March for Life, what did you make of that? What, what do you think is happening, particularly knowing that he used to be 100% pro-choice? What do you make of this? Well, I think that what's interesting about the whole thing is that so many politicians prior to him were, were given the advice that they should never even speak about the life issue, that it was a loser for them politically. And I think what President Trump has demonstrated is that not only is it not a loser, but it is a winner. And we see that um, in his rally in New Jersey, he had an unprecedented amount of people show up for that rally. Mm -hmm. And I think this is not a coincidence that, you know, it follows on the heels of his speech uh, last Friday. So, you know, I think that finally pro-lifers are feeling like there is, uh, you know, a window of opportunity here because of the president's uh, courage in speaking out. And, you know, he really believes what he's saying, too. It's not just that he's taking a political stance. You know, he believes that uh, life begins at conception and that it is valuable, you know, that every life has a purpose. And, of course, we know that. You know, uh, that everybody who is listening to this right now and everybody who's, uh, who was out there had a mother who chose life. So, you know, this is the thing is who are we to decide that other people do not have a right to live? And so, you know, some of the arguments we'll talk about today are, are just common sense, logic, you know, a logical approach to the life issue. Well, I think so, too. And, and when we think about the, the life issue, and, and, and again, we're going to go over some, some of the arguments, you know, on the abortion side. But if we can just, if we can be in agreement that all lives have intrinsic worth, every life is valuable. And, um, and, and like you said, every life has a purpose. And I was there at the March for Life, and I, I heard President Trump, and those were, those were his words. So, um, so let's, 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 and the, the other thing too, the fact that he was 100% pro-choice and that it's possible that people, you know, once they have more information and once they can really work through the arguments and, and understand why people work so hard, so vehemently to protect life in the womb, I think... I think if more and more people were willing to do that and just kind of process, process what they're saying. So, you know, when they say, hey, it's, it's, you know, it's my body, it's my choice, hands off my body, it's my body, my choice. You know, one of the things, you know, that we like to say, I, I, I'm president of a nonprofit organization called Jose Initiative. Um, we, we educate, we educate on this issue. And what we say, it's, it's instead of my body, my choice, the reality is, well, no, it's two beating hearts that, that have one shared sacred space. So it's two beating hearts, one shared sacred space. So, Julie, if somebody was to walk up to you during a 40 Days for Life campaign and you're out on the city street in front of Planned Parenthood and you're praying um, that, um, that that young woman walking in would turn around and maybe have a conversation with you about... Um, in this pending decision. And if she was to walk up to you and say, look, I'm willing to talk with you about this, but you know, I still think it's my body, it's my choice. 
How would you respond to her? Well, you know, one of the things we like to do on the sidewalk is respond with love. That's, that's key. You know, we are talking to a woman who feels trapped. Otherwise, she wouldn't be coming to Planned Parenthood for an abortion. And the number one thing that we hear from women after abortion is, I felt like I had no choice, which is very ironic, of course, because that's what it's supposed to be about, choice. Mm-hmm. And in their own words, they're saying, I feel like I did not have a choice. So, uh, you know, to, to just say, you know, I know this is a difficult thing. You're coming here today uh, that you have made this decision that you feel like you don't have a choice. Is that correct? You know, a lot of times I'll just ask them a question mm-hmm. and let them do the talking. You know, I think it's good to just listen. Um, you know, I could give you all kinds of examples about, you know, a woman saying to me, well, you know, it's true. I feel like I don't have a choice. Um, you know, I, most of the time women are pressured into abortion. Mm-hmm. They feel uh, that there's outside pressure from a husband, a boyfriend, parents, you know, whoever it is. In fact, there was a national survey done of post-abortive women several years ago, and that was one of the things that was revealed, is that up to three-quarters of women identified that they, are, they feel coerced into abortion. And so, you know, what we want women to know is that we're there for them. You know, we're not there to make them feel bad, to make them feel, you know, we don't yell out things like, you're a murderer, you know. We know that these women are in a, you know, a very uh, terrible situation where they feel so alone that their only, uh, you know, their only uh, choice is to come to this this place where they're going to hand over $500 or whatever it is for someone else to kill their baby. Mm-hmm. You know, this is just a, a terrible thing. And in, and in order to come to that decision, they've had to go already through a lot of things. They've had to justify it in their own mind they've had to say you know well you know i can't afford it or this person is saying to me you're not going to be able to live here anymore or i'm not going to love you unless you do this i mean it really is a terrible uh, situation that they're in and so they need support so our signs for instance that we have on the sidewalk you know we're here for you you are not alone and these are the things that we are saying to them there is a there are many, many people who want to help you. There's a network of support for you, you know. But if, if somebody would come up to me individually and say that, you know, this is my body, my choice. And we have many people who do that who are not there for abortion. They're just there to argue, which is fine. You know, we like to take that opportunity uh, to, to, you know, express the life issue. You know, say to them, well, you, it is your body, but you also have the right to kill your toddler, with your body, you know, and of course not. You don't. You don't have that right. Uh, your right really extends to, uh, you know, once you have made the decision to have, uh, you know, a sexual encounter with someone, that is the risk you incur, right? Mm-hmm, right. And so mm-hmm. we're not there. We're not there to say, you know, oh, you know, you are a terrible person, right? You know, for coming here. But what we're there to say is, look, you have lots of support. You do have a choice. Uh, one of the things that I like to remind people of is, you know, almost all of them have, they're on a cell phone. You know, everybody has a cell phone these days. 
And I say to them, is that an iPhone by any chance? And most of the time it is. And, and I said, do you know that you wouldn't even have that iPhone except for the fact that a woman who was in college who found herself pregnant chose life against all odds with everyone saying to her, oh, you should have an abortion because, you know, this is uh, your education. You shouldn't interrupt your education. It's your life. Well, Steve Jobs, who founded Apple, was adopted and given up for adoption by her mother, who his mother who chose life against a lot of that's right most americans don't even know that story they don't know that that's the yeah that's his that's his past so it's amazing yeah it's amazing to see their faces when i say this you know i say you owe the fact that we you have a cell phone to a person who was who was whose mother chose life right and of course you're you're the fact that you're standing there Shows that your mother chose life. (laughs) Well, when you think that we've aborted 60 million babies, how, I mean, and this is not to put value just because Steve Jobs invented, you know, the the iPhone, um, because the Down syndrome child or, you know, everybody's life has intrinsic worth. That's number one. When we think, though, in terms of, oh, my gosh, 60 million, how many of those people actually would have improve the world that we live in just just from a yeah the answer is all of them exactly (laughs) right right precisely you know down to you know the smallest example to the largest example um so okay i know the studies have been done for that show that the number one reason why young women choose abortion it's because they think their life, their dreams are ending. They think that to have this baby, it's over for them. And that's a lie. You know, even if they choose adoption for their child, I mean, that would be the quickest fix of all time. Choose adoption so you can go back to college and continue with your life. You don't have to... um, you know, choose abortion, which is going to be a decision that sh- that w- that she will grieve the rest of her life in one form or fashion or another, whether she recognizes, you know, that her alcoholism is due to the buried grief of aborting a child when she was 17 years old and she never processed that grief. So why why do you think adoption just doesn't seem like the favorable choice? Why not? Why not? If, you know, if a 15-year-old finds herself with child, why not choose adoption? Why has that become such a, I mean, you hardly ever hear about it, adoption, even though about a million abortions happen a year and there are a million infertile couples who want a baby. How do we rectify this? more than that, millions, multiple millions of infertile couples. I mean, at any one time, there are two million couples that are trying to adopt, and they can't, and they have to many times go to another country to adopt. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because the abortion industry dissuades adoption. You know, they do not really uh, encourage it as an option. And so what they say is because, of course, if if they do that, what will they do? They lose money. This is all about the money. It is. This it's is what people have such a money. hard time understanding. Right. It's about money and it's about power because money buys influence. Right. right? And influence equals power. So 
that's the thing is is uh, that people need to understand. This is not about benevolence to poor women. Well, that's what Planned Parenthood like people to think. You know, we're here because poor women need an option. Well, they're still charging five hundred dollars for that abortion. Mm-hmm. Really? Is that really you know, right. what you're doing? No. So this is the thing. It is a money making business. It's a multi billion dollar business uh, in the United States and. It also buys influence, right? You have Planned Parenthood, which is a nonprofit uh, who, you know, is able to give hundreds of millions of dollars to the campaigns of people who are going to continue to support abortion. Right. All these politicians who support abortion receive money from Planned Parenthood to continue to do that. Right. I just want to say we're going to, in part two, we're going to be digging into these Planned Parenthood numbers and 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 right. I, I really want people to stay tuned in for this. Uh, but before we go there, I, I want there are two other big arguments on the abortion side, um, such as you know what about rape incest life of the mother, rape incest life of the mother. We always hear this one, and I really want everybody to stay tuned. Uh, don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. Um, but Julie and I are going to be covering these arguments that we really want the pro-choice side who, who are listening to consider. I mean, nobody has to twist your arm, break your arm to make you, be, you know, become pro-life, but we, we want you to, to reconsider um, some of these arguments. And if you're already supporting a pro-life culture, uh, we want you to stay tuned so that you can uh, better understand how to talk to folks about this, particularly when they say rape, incest, life of the mother, my body, my choice, or, hey, it's not a baby, and it's my right. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Spreading the out loud truth from sea to shining sea. AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. The goal is to deliver a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. To unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity. We are the vision of the voices. Welcome to the new era in communications. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Hello, this is Lieutenant Randy Sutton, the host of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement. I am a 34-year police veteran. I am also the founder and CEO of an organization that stands behind injured and disabled law enforcement officers. It is called The Wounded Blue. Our website is thewoundedblue.org. We have produced a film. It is an important film. I urge you to watch it. The film details what happens when a police officer or law enforcement officer is shot or stabbed or beaten or disabled, seriously injured in the line of duty. Most people think they are taken care of medically and financially. The reality may be quite different. It is called The Wounded Blue, Service, Sacrifice, Betrayed. The film is available on Amazon, iTunes, and the Microsoft Store. All right, you are back with 
Carrie Beatley and Julie Easter, and we're discussing some of the big things that are going on in restoring a culture of life ethic to America. And I think we're having a good conversation, Julie, that anybody can listen to, whether you're on the pro-choice side of things or you're already on the pro-life side of things or you're somewhere in the mushy middle. Uh, we have information that, that I think everybody can consider or reconsider. And one of the first things I want to talk about is this rape incest life of the mother. You know, a lot of people will say, well, look, you know, I don't like abortion. You know, uh, there are too many abortions that happen. You know, I'm really not for abortion, but what about rape incest life of the mother? And so I want to frame this as if everybody listening, Julie, was on the pro-choice side of things, and they're shouting that argument at us. How would you, Julie Easter, try to answer that, 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 that argument? What about rape, incest, life of the mother? Well, we get this question all the time, of course. And in fact, people think it's the trump card, right? That, oh, aha, you have not thought of this about rape. And of course, one thing I want everyone to know, if you don't already know this, that less than 1% of all or, all abortions are due to rape or incest. Okay, so, uh, and what, what's interesting about pe- women who have been raped, who choose life, is that almost, it's, it's actually over 50% of women who are raped who conceive do choose life after almost insurmountable odds. Okay. With everyone around them saying, you, you should abort, you should abort, you know, and I think this is really interesting to know that most women are choosing life for their child, uh, and, I, and I think it's because they see that it is their child, right? It's not the rapist child, and, and of course the rapist is a criminal, you know. Do we decide then that we're going to uh, kill the child for the sin of the father? Right. Right. When, when, whenever do we do that in our society, in our culture? Um, but one thing that really made an impact on me, and I think your listeners might like this, is, is to know that the March for Life many years ago, I think one of the first ones that I attended, I was impressed because they had invited 50 uh, children of rapists to take the stand, one after another. Beautiful. And they and introduced themselves, oh. one in a row, yeah, each one in a row. And they said, they said their name, they said their vocation in life, okay? So what was interesting is to know that, that you know, how, how they had these really service-oriented vocations. You know, people are called to a certain vocation in life. And, you know, to see how many of them uh, were in service, you know, they were nurses, doctors, social workers, uh, but... One thing that they all had in common was that they were their mother's greatest consolation. You know, I thought this was incredible that, you know, we look at a person conceived in rape as a punishment almost, as a double punishment right. to the woman, right? Instead of a gift, you know? And I think if we just change the way we look at things and said, well, you know, whether you're Christian or not, a baby certainly can be a gift to a person, right? This is a, a woman who uh, is having a child that will love his, you know, her unconditionally. You know, and it is just a, a wonderful thing to have a child. So we see that these, these people, uh, 
are their mother's greatest consolation. And I, I think this is, you know, in other words, they're supporting their mother in their old age. They're one, but they're, they're doing things uh, to support their mother in ways that maybe other children are not. The other children by the same woman. It's really a, a way of looking at it that we need to change. You know, that what if we took the $500 million that we're, that we're giving through taxpayer money and, and support to Planned Parenthood to continue to prop up abortion, and we put that money into supporting women who have been raped and conceived. Absolutely, and the other option would be, right, the whole adoption. Uh, You know, when I think of a couple that I met in uh, Fredericksburg, Virginia, she was in her 50s when I met her, but when she was a college student, she was raped in a a garage, um, you know, the multi-level garages, and um and she conceived and she chose to give life to that child and when the baby was born interestingly she had the baby baptized it's a little baby girl and then provided life through adoption for that child of course in the mother's mind she didn't want anything to do and so there were no strings attached no visitation or anything Mm -hmm. like that but Years later, through Facebook and whatever else, somehow the daughter who was conceived and now she was whatever in her upper 20s, um, she finds her aunt on Facebook and then that whole connection gets made to the mother and the mother decides to visit the daughter. And and the daughter lives multiple right. states away and uh so and it ended up being this beautiful family affair so when she went out to visit the daughter the, um, the daughter by this point had a set of twins and then another child so granted the mom now had three more grandchildren, grandchildren. and the most wonderful. beautiful thing yeah. happened is well two things the daughter looked just like the mom that's number one and number two uh, after you know the initial visitation of hugs and kisses and all that the daughter said well mom I want to show you something and so the daughter ran upstairs and she came back down the steps holding this I'm going to cry when I say this this little tiny white dress and it was the dress that she was baptized in Uh, when she was an infant before I know and it's like and all this love so I remember meeting a OBGYN he used to run the um, he was the head of the Virginia uh, Health Commission uh, where they would you know try to put you know tighter restrictions on these abortion centers you know the safety protocol and and he said Terry he said if the world would just learn that every time an abortion happens love an opportunity to be loved and to love ends it's no more you can't get it back so it's 60 million lost opportunities to be loved and to love and to bless other people so ah it's just i i that's where it's i wish more people would just take this into consideration the love factor which i'm going to swing back to that with this whole dr bernard nathanson thing but before we pivot so rape incest life of the mother i want to cover this life of the mother so we talked about rape 
and the other the same principles there for incest i mean that girl has already been violated by her father her uncle or whoever you know in an incest relationship mm -hmm. having an abortion going through the the um the turmoil uh, of of an abortion, which will always be with her, does not make anything better. Yeah. And, and again, it goes back right. to... Right, it's a second know. violence, right? It's a Absolutely. second violence against yeah. a woman. Right. So, so but, that's the thing. And another thing people don't... I, I want to just bring this up, too, before I forget, Terry, and that yeah. is that recently there was a survey done of a post-abortive women. And a lot of the, the pro-choice people are pointing to the survey and saying, see... There's no consequence. There's really no negative effects uh, to abortion because they cite this, this survey. But what, what they're not saying about the survey is that 75% of the people who were asked to participate declined to participate oh. in the survey because I think it was too painful for them to even talk about. So this is the thing is the ones who were, you know, gleeful and joyful about their abortion uh, you know, are the ones who participated. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just want to say that because there are a lot of people out there who's, who are citing this, this survey. And I, I think, you know, there's so much more to it than just, oh, everybody's happy about their abortion. We know statistically that if you have had an abortion in this country, if you're a woman who, you know, has had an abortion, that you are much higher risk for suicide, depression, drug and alcohol abuse, and even cancers, different types of cancers. That's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so, and a lot of people don't know that the pill itself, which is an abortifacient, you know, it, it causes, it can cause a, 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 you know, it can be act as an abortifacient. So, you know, a lot of women don't know this, that it is also a type one carcinogen. That's right. And has been since it was created. So women are not being informed about this, you know, that the pill itself causes cancer right and that's why we have so many breast cancers and all kinds of cancers that women are having to you know to deal with uh they haven't even considered that oh well it was because i was on the pill or because i interrupted a viable pregnancy through abortion which you know makes a woman more vulnerable to cancer yeah the best protection against breast cancer is a first full-term pregnancy and what are we yes, doing in America? Absolutely. Well, what do we do? We tell all the young women, go out there and have all the sex you want to have. Oh, by the way, Planned Parenthood will back you up if you want that abortion. And then when that teenager leaves there with her confidential abortion, because in her state there's such a thing called a judicial bypass, which she can go behind her parents' back for this, uh, for let's call it out for what it is. It's a surgery and it's a bloody mess. Uh, and now yeah. in all 50 states, there are judicial bypasses, and that's because of the political lobbying due to Planned Parenthood and NARAL and all this. But, but what happens is now she goes and she gets a confidential abortion, and Planned Parenthood gives her a pack of birth control pills when she leaves there. They have just set that young teenager up 
for drastically increasing the likelihood of breast cancer for two different ways. She just ruined her best opportunity to protect her breasts, which is a first full-term pregnancy. And number two, she's, she's increasing the level of these um, estrogen hormones in her body, which also drastically increases the likelihood of breast cancer. And you, you, you put those two factors together, this is why breast cancer since 1973, which is when they made abortion, you know, Roe v. Wade happen, became legalized or decriminalized. Back then, the in-situ breast cancer used to be one in 12 women. Today, it nearly directly runs parallel with the increase, and it's now one in seven women. It's a rising wow. breast cancer yep. statistic, and Americans don't know. And, and that's a whole nother right. story, but too much to get into. But I do want everybody to know about this. The movie called Hush, H-U-S-H, yes. like be quiet, Hush. And you can, you can stream this movie or you can get it on DVD. Uh, the lady who made it is pro-choice. She ends the movie pro-choice. However, what she believes is every woman deserves the right to know about this connection between abortion and breast cancer and the birth control pill and breast cervical and liver cancer. And so anybody who's pro-choice, pro-abortion, listening you know, to our show today, go watch that movie. And it's H-U-S-H. You know you have the right movie if you see the Statue of Liberty, but it's been... Um, you know, doctored up a little bit, and she looks like she's holding her finger over her mouth saying, you know, be quiet, hush. So it's a big secret, and it'll blow your mind. And so we show this movie uh, in, in the different um, towns and cities that we go into with the pro-life ministry that, that I have, Jose Initiative. So now another one of the arguments that I don't think we've talked about is when um, I don't think we talked about it. We've talked about my body, my choice. We talked about rape, incest. Oh, no, life of the mother. Life of the mother. Right. And, right. and I just want to nip this really quick. There is no reason, and this the, the, I'm paraphrasing, this comes from the father of the abortion industry, Dr. Bernard Nathanson. He founded NARAL Pro-Choice America. He, he was known as America's abortion king. He trained Planned Parenthood on how to do abortions. And Julie, once he, you know, swung over to the pro-life side, you know, this was by um, 1978 or the beginning of 1979, in writing, in the book that he wrote called um, Aborting America, he said there is no reason why any woman at any time has to abort a child. Uh, due to right. no medical reason. I mean, there's no reason why the baby... The doctor needs to go in with the intention of killing that child, you know, really ripping that baby to shreds. If it's life of the mother, by all means, the doctors need to go in, try to, you know, do whatever they need to do or remove the baby, but try to remove the baby with the intention of saving that baby's life, not to just out and out kill the child. You know, your listeners could, all they'd have to do is do a search on YouTube for the multiple OBGYNs and former abortion doctors who have made the same statements. Many have even testified before Congress. Right. You know, that, that uh, th this is just, you know, an argument to continue, you know, with the abortion industry with 
unimpeded. Right. So another point I want to make, too, that this came out in the movie Blood Money, which is a fantastic movie for other people, you know, everyone to see. Alveda King narrates it. She's Martin Luther King's niece, had two abortions herself. But one of the things that's incredible about that movie is that many former abortion workers and directors are interviewed in that movie. And one of the things that they disclose is that Planned Parenthood gives the lowest dose birth control pill that they can give out by law and, the, and also faulty condoms on purpose so that people will continue to get pregnant using their products. Right. So this was such an eye opener for me that, you know, it's not just even about, you know, oh, helping that one woman that one time. It's about trying to, you know, create a relationship with that woman. And I think Carol Everett is the one. She was a former abortion. Uh, she owned either, I guess, managed abortion clinics. Oh, she, she owned them. This was their goal was to have. <laughs> yeah. She owned them. Okay, right. And she and she said that, you know, it was their goal to have four or five abortions per girl. Right. You know. So this is the thing. Why? Because of the money. You know, this is the same woman who said, well, I wanted to be a millionaire by such and such date by the time I was 30. And if she wanted to be a millionaire, all she had to do was calculate how many abortions does does do her and her facilities right. need to perform every single day so she could become a millionaire or a multimillionaire. And we're going to be talking about right. this in the next segment about follow the money trail follow the money trail. Yes. That's something my dad always taught me. Uh, and it's so funny because, well, I guess it's funny and not funny. When I was in college, he, uh, uh, I, I actually thought in my freshman year, I wanted to join the organization called NOW, the National Organization of Women. And when I came <laughs> home and I told my dad, he told me to sit down. And, and I said, yes, sir. <laughs> and for the next 30 minutes, he lectured me on how I will not be a member of National Organization of Women as long as I ever come and visit underneath his, his roof. And among other things, you know, he explained to me how um, you know, at that point, which was 1981, how they had been um, uh, pushing abortion all across America. And uh, but but we're going to be following the money trail with Julie Easter in just a few minutes. And we're going to go back and look at in 1966, Planned Parenthood warned women in writing not to have abortions because abortion kills an existing human life and it may make you sterile. So when you want a baby, you may you you might not be able to have one. And with that idea. Uh, we will be right back and make sure you have downloaded on your phone uh, the talk radio app because America Out Loud is on 24-7 and you are tuned into What If We've Been Wrong. We will be right back. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep, but it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa. Award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. 
Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. All right, Julie, we have uh, talked about two out of three of the big arguments, and then I also said we're going to get into follow the money trail, but I had forgotten to go over the uh, the third argument about, hey, it's not a baby, and the baby doesn't have any rights anyway until that baby's born, so what's the big deal? What would you say to somebody who, who would say that to you, that uh, it's not a baby, and it has no rights? Well, uh, of course, this is just ridiculous. This is a scientific fact that a baby begins at conception, a human being begins at conception with unique DNA, Right. And yes, it is dependent on its mother, but also so are toddlers dependent on their mother. We are all dependent on each other. So this this idea that dependency equals your you know your ability to kill another person, and we see this being extended uh, to with euthanasia too. You know, if you're going to be able to kill a person because it's dependent on you, you can do that when it's your elderly grandmother who's dependent on you too. You know, you can coerce this person into that. So this is another wave in the culture of death right? Uh, that we see just based on that erroneous idea. But I also want to say to people, you know, that the, you know, the idea that we need to uh, protect endangered species, right, that, uh, you know, there's an actual protection for eagle eggs. That's right. And, I totally forgot so, about that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. So and we can't. dollars if you destroy an eagle egg, right? So, and, you know, I point this out to people and say, well, you know, how do you feel about this? And they say, well, that's different because they're endangered. And I say, well, it's not different because you're showing me that you understand that the eagle egg becomes an eagle. Just like... And that there's value there. is a human being. Right. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Right. So, you know, your idea that, you know, that, uh, well, you know, I get to kill it, right? That's another thing then. Well, uh, you, you do not get to kill your child after it's born. So why should you be able to kill it before it's born? Mm-hmm. And of course, this is what we're seeing now in the arguments with right, your Virginia governor. And, uh, you know, you have Andrew Cuomo with this idea that you now can kill the child after it's born. And they're using the, the same logic that pro-lifers have been using all along, which is it is a child. What difference does it make where the what location is inside or outside of the womb? Mm-hmm. But they're saying because that child is maybe disabled or weak or in some way, you know, uh, or just that, you know, the child, you know, the mother doesn't want to raise a Down syndrome child, we'll kill it. Let's just let it die because we'll, we won't give it any assistance. You know? This is where we're at as a culture that, and, you know, the Democrats in Congress refuse to even allow this issue to get to the floor. I think it's 80 something times. Nancy Pelosi refused to let this issue get to the floor about post-birth abortion, which of course is murder. They don't want to talk about it as infanticide, but that's what it is, you know? And they do not want to even protect a child that is born. So this idea that, you know, well, it's not born, so therefore it has no protection. No, now their, you know, their side is saying otherwise. That's right. So, and that these are the things that we want people on the other side of this issue to consider. What kind right. of a culture do you want? Do you want to have? Is it a culture of death where there is no value to life? Only if 
somebody else deems that that life has value. Well, that's not, I mean, what, what, what right. we say is that all lives have value. It has intrinsic worth and they're worthy of being protected. And it's not because the government says uh, or a doctor says, it's because it just is. And, um, and pity, right. pity. Well, one thing you like to say, Ted, Terry, is that when did a polar bear or an eagle or any of the endangered species create anything? Right. Yeah. Right? A human <laughs> being creates. That's right. By the nature of being human. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's the thing. That's why it has intrinsic value is that, you know, the, the human mind is, is above and beyond anything in the animal world. So that's the thing. Uh, even an atheist can can admit that, right? And you know, I think and of too. And we're I, not atheists, so we see. But I'm glad you just said that because this is an issue. You do not have to be a Christian right. or a Jewish person to recognize that human life has value. Uh, I mean, because you know, well, we're already there. I mean, it's it's a dangerous culture, a dangerous society. If we completely lose that. If, if life itself yes. has no value, uh, you better be packing mm -hmm. a gun because you, you won't know what's coming on your backside. Um, so now right. I want to pivot over because um, let's talk about the money. You know, I said before, we're going to follow that okay. money trail. Planned Parenthood just came out with their, they always run a year behind on their numbers. So at the beginning of January 2020, Planned Parenthood came out with their 2018 fiscal report. And the numbers that they show uh, in terms of abortion are 345,672 babies during the fiscal year 2018 were aborted at Planned Parenthood facilities. Now, let's put some dollar bills on that. I'm not sure what they charge, uh, but if you take that number, 345,672, and let's just multiply that by an average cost of an abortion, and I'm just saying $300, that might no, be... No, I would say five. Do you really? You I think it's more five. like five? Yeah, well, be uh -huh. because, because also it's much more expensive the, the further along in the pregnancy. So if you just say, yeah. I don't even know that there's such a thing as a $300 abortion well, I tell I you what, it, all right, well, using the 500 number, but even if I use the 300 number, we're still well yeah. over a hundred million dollars. We're talking about dollars. Right. Uh, you know, if, you, if your numbers are right, right. $500, uh, it's 172 million. If I just round this, $172 million, million came dollars. into Planned right. Parenthood to kill human life. Let's call a spade a spade. Right. If you don't right. think, you listeners, Americans, pro-choice people, if you don't think money plays a very, very critical role in this industry, you are being extremely naive. And I guess that's why yeah. growing up, my dad would say, Terry, follow the money trail. You always must follow the money trail. And even in the Christian market, you know, Jesus himself warned, you don't even have to believe that Jesus was the son of God and the savior, but he did. I mean, even if you just believe he was a great prophet, he warned about money and the love of money more than anything else in yep. the word of God recorded in the word of God. So if you take 
345,672 babies lost their lives at Planned Parenthood. And let's just say if Planned Parenthood at their facilities on average uh, are aborting three days per week, that means Planned Parenthood was killing 2,217 babies per day three times a week all over America. How many of those were right in your own community, in your own city? And here's the other thing that I found interesting, and maybe, Julie, you can shed some light on this. You know, a, a lot of the smaller Planned Parenthood facilities, and I don't call them clinics because clinics are where you go to get healthy. Planned Parenthood is a place right. where you go to either get, you know, Cars, you know, the cancer-causing birth control pill or abortions, and every abortion always kills a human life. So they're not clinics; they're facilities. Um, they so some of the smaller ones have been closing up, but they've been opening. And keep in mind, listeners, these are funded by your tax dollars. Building Planned Parenthood facilities. They increased the number of abortions by 12,915 over their 2017 numbers. So even though their facilities were shrinking, their big abortuaries, these facilities, like one was built, built down in Virginia Beach, you know, close to me, and, uh, but their numbers increased. What, what do you make of this, Julie? Well, I, I just think it's a, a marketing strategy, you know, that um, they, they have successfully you know, made people fear that they're not going to be able to get abortions. Uh, so they, you know, you need to make sure that, you know, we keep these, these clinics open for any possibility. You know, I, one thing that we haven't discussed is the, uh, the, the abortion pill, which yes. you know, I think has a, a limited amount of reporting. Yeah. And, you know, if you, if any of your listeners would, would care to go and see the movie Unplanned, I think everyone should see it because it does give a very, um, I think, fair uh, account of what people who work in abortion clinics are like. Are genuinely, they, they, they seem to have concern, right? We're not saying that everybody that works in an abortion clinic is a monster, you know, right. because they really have bought into the idea that they are helping women, that this is health care and all these things. Uh, but, you know, there's a scene in there where Abby Johnson herself, the abortion clinic director, who's, who the movie is based on her life and, and her, uh, you know, her conversion to the pro-life cause, uh, where, this, you know, she has to undergo a, an abortion pill abortion and, you know, or a chemical, what we call a chemical abortion, which has killed many women. You know, a lot of people don't even know this, that young women, particularly teenagers, they're being prescribed this pill without their parents' knowledge. And many young women have died right. because they didn't realize, they didn't read the, the the small print that accompanies them in the bag going home. You know, this idea might, you know, the doctor, it's a decision between you and your doctor. Well, most of the time women never even see the doctor until the doctor's performing uh, the abortion. So it really has nothing to do with any kind of relation, doctor-patient relationship. And they're being prescribed the first pill they take in the clinic, and the, and the oh, I shouldn't say clinic, like you said, they take uh, in the, uh, we call the mills, Terry, abortion mills. Yeah. The first one they take there in the mill, and the second one they take at home. And, you know, when I see that I cannot get the attention of a, a young woman who's coming out 
with the with the telltale brown paper bag which contains the other pill and the instructions you know i tell them please don't be by yourself when when you take that other pill because it can be it, it can be lethal and abby johnson thought she was going to die well it's it's bloody and it for it's it it's makes terrible. you bleed and for it, for a long time yes weeks not just hours weeks I think, you know, one, one time I, I attended a lecture where, where a man was saying that we're not going to get rid of abortion until we get back to the, the concept of natural law, you know. And, and it was very theological what he was saying. And I told him afterwards that I liked his presentation, but that I disagreed. And he said, why? And I said, because I don't think we're going to get rid of abortion until women understand that they've been had. Okay, <laughs> that women that. they've been had. <laughs> they have they have been manipulated every you know every which way, and of course they're hired. Most people who work at Planned Parenthood are women, right? They're hired so that they legitimize the business and make it look like a healthcare uh, place. So this is the thing they have been lied to and had, and you know I think the manipulation of women and the destruction of women. Uh, one thing people, you know, I point to all the time, I say to people, well, if the goal of life is happiness, are women happier now than before Roe v. Wade? I mean, shouldn't we look at that question? And the answer is no. In fact, overwhelmingly no. There was a, there was a survey done of the happiness factor for women. And in fact, women identified American women are the most unhappy people in the world. Now, how can this be? If all that we've been looking for is rights, well, you know, the feminist would say, well, that's because we haven't achieved equality. No, that's not why. It's because we have been manipulated and deceived. Well, wait, I want to add something in here, Julie. <laughs> the uh, the, the yeah. idea that the rights that women were fighting for, you know, the right to go and work and equal pay and all this. Yes. The, the notion that... And I'm not saying women shouldn't be working. I'm not saying that at all. No, but the idea that that you're going to have so much more joy if you kill your baby so you can go punch somebody's clock for 8 to 10 hours a day to return home and then years later you have no children because unfortunately the one, two, or three abortions that you had because it was your right weakened your cervix so that sadly after you got married and you were really wanted to have children then um, you ended up with two, three miscarriages and unable. You're now infertile. Th this right. is happening all over Boy. the country. And it leads, because yeah. it's led to death, it leads to misery and sadness and loneliness and barrenness. And and people aren't, aren't connecting the dots. And I totally agree with you that somebody, um, if you're on the pro-choice side of things right now, but you obviously if you're at this point, you've been listening, thank you. I just want to say thank you for listening, to being able to take this information in. Get the movie. You can rent it. You know, it's out on, I, I guess it's on Netflix. I don't know. Maybe Netflix doesn't want to carry it, but unplanned. And the reason I say yes. that, too, is um, it has led to, and I don't have the numbers. I used to have them. But it's been like multiples of abortion facility workers and some of the doctors leaving the facilities 
they once they right. saw the movie and they just reckoned with the fact that oh my god this is an accurate portrayal of what goes on yes. and i was talking to yes. somebody the other day i can't think of who it was oh i tell you what it was a woman from new york a puerto rican lady she had had five abortions julie in her teenage years and uh, oh. and she had them all at the Planned Parenthood Poor facility lady. in New York City. And a number of these were at the Margaret Sanger Center, you know, the Margaret okay. Sanger downtown, okay. you know, New York. And she said the women were, before they have their abortions, they're literally lined up on the equivalent of a locker room bench. Right. They are, yep. it is assembly line. And, and, you know, it was Dr. Bernard Nathanson who made all of this possible, and we don't have enough time to get into Dr. Bernard Nathanson. I do want to encourage listeners, go to HoseaInitiative.org. That's H-O-S-E-A, HoseaInitiative.org. Learn about Dr. Bernard Nathanson. He's the father of America's industry of abortion. He founded NARAL Pro-Choice America. He trained Planned Parenthood on how to do abortions. He And actually, before he did that, he begged Planned Parenthood to join with him in this new brand of women's health care. But Planned Parenthood said no. They weren't going to get involved with it uh, until they saw all the money they were leaving on the table. Yeah. This is up in New York. All the money, when 250,000 women descended into, the, into New York City in 1970 when it became uh, legalized in New York. And who did they call? They called Dr. Bernard Nathanson to train them. And he's the father of America's industry of abortion who became pro-life. And he wanted every American, including every single woman or man who's on the pro a choice side of things uh, to consider the truth that he left behind. All right, we have wrapped it up for today. This has been Terry Beatley and Julie. Thank you for being on. Thank you for being on the show today. My pleasure. My pleasure, Terry. All right. Thanks for having me. We're going to have you back on. All right, thanks so much for tuning in and make sure you have downloaded that app, Talk Radio. 24-7 and from 1 to 3 you know where to be right here on America Out Loud.